Where might you find the 27 grievances? That has been my trivia question for folks all week. The answers have ranged from, isn't that what Martin Luther nailed to the doors of the church? No, that was the 95 Theses. To, I got a memo at work about 27 grievances. Some people guessed it came from John Calvin. Another said, you've been talking to my spouse, 27 grievances, yes, sir. People came up to me later and said, I had to Google it. It's from the Declaration of Independence. That is correct. Right after the preamble, we hold these truths to be self-evident. The Continental Congress listed 27 issues with King George III. We should know this, but Schoolhouse Rock obviously didn't sing about the grievances. Thank goodness Google turned 25 this week. I love the doodle for their birthday. Did you see it? 25 years of curiosity. We're all searching for something. One preacher I know was struggling for a way to deal with the struggles in his congregation. He got up on the pulpit one Sunday morning and said to the people, I know many of you are unhappy with me and my leadership. So I've included a piece of paper in each of your bulletins this morning. I want you to take a moment now and list all your grievances with me. We'll take a few moments right now here in the worship service for you to write them down. People wrote fast and furiously. I'm sure one person wrote, you don't know how to pronounce grievance. After a time of writing, he asked the ushers to pass an extra offering plate to collect their grievances. At the end of the service, he invited them to join him outside. He stood next to a hole that he dug the night before, and then he dropped all their grievances in the hole without reading a one. He told them it's time to bury their grievances, forgive and move on. That just added to their grievances. I have it on good authority that many of their grievances were resurrected that day. If I decide to bury my issues with you and move on, that's one thing, but you don't get to bury them. That is not how forgiveness works. We confess and we acknowledge where we've fallen short before healing can occur. A grievance like grief has to be dealt with and not just buried, yet both can be a burden. As we've heard over the last several weeks, people in the communities surrounding Jerusalem submitted their grievances about Nehemiah's rebuilding project. Nehemiah listened to them and dealt with them, but he kept rebuilding until the wall was finished. So hear the good news from Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, selected verses. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. 
Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the good news according to Nehemiah. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to continue the rebuilding that you've called us to do. Help us to hear your word and apply it to our lives. Amen. The people of God had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate. The walls were finally finished. The reading of the book of the law must have been like the town crier reading the Declaration of Independence to the people of Philadelphia for the first time. Back on July 8th, 1776, the citizens of Philadelphia were summoned to the state house yard by the bells of the city. At noon, Colonel John Nixon publicly read the Declaration of Independence for the first time, including the 27 grievances. Following the reading and continuing long into the night, the bells of the city rang in celebration. After this long season of rebuilding the walls, despite the attacks, the grievances and opposition, all the people have gathered in Jerusalem in the square by the Watergate, not the Watergate Hotel, but the Watergate where people went out to gather water with the men, women and children, everyone who worked on the wall to hear a reading from the book of the law as the priest reads from morning until midday. Can you imagine five or six hours of listening attentively? For you see, very few people knew how to read in those days. So hearing from a book was quite the occasion, like a new product launch or a movie release today. People were willing to line up to be there for hours for this important reading of the law. The whole scene unfolded much like worship does today. Ezra stands on a platform. He opened the book of the law and all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord and the people say amen and amen, lifting up their hands. We continue to follow those same ritual patterns today. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Amen and amen with our hands lifted high. Ezra reads the book and then there is interpretation. Some of it may have been translation into the local languages, but we're told the priest gave the sense. They help people to make sense out of what has been read. And I still try to do that today, making sense of stories like Nehemiah and now Ezra's reading of the law. As part of my daily discipline during my Nehemiah 52 days of rebuilding, I've been reading more and one of the books that I've treasured is The Quiet House by Ron Greer, Reflections on the Death of a Spouse. I got to a chapter this week entitled Languishing. What a great word, languishing. It means to fail to make any progress. It can be a tough place to be. Ron said he got to the point in his struggles after his wife's death that he was just languishing. He just didn't feel a thing, neither sorrow nor hope, nothing. But then in the very next chapter, he tells of a turning point. It was the one year anniversary of his wife's death. And after a good cry in the morning and another good cry in the afternoon, he picked up a picture of her and he looked at it closely And then these words tumbled out of him. I got to be with her. Those were the words he instinctively whispered, feeling so blessed. I got to be with her. He moved from concentrating on what he'd lost to all that he'd gained. I got to be with her. And he started focusing on her life and not her death, living more in the present this day, still looking to the future, but with thanksgiving for the past, living in this day. 
Ezra reads it's from the book of the law and the people start to weep. They weep for all those years lost in exile for the times when they did not live out the law of God. They wept for all that they'd lost. But then Ezra tells them, this is the day to stop grieving. You're still God's people. You get to be the people of God. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those who heard nothing is prepared. Care for those in need. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy strengthens us. While grief and grievances can weaken us, the joy of the Lord can be our strength and should be. Have you ever seen pure joy? We lost Brooks Robinson this week, one of the best third basemen of all time. And although there is grief, there's also thanksgiving for his life. Many of us got to see Brooks Robinson play. Here he is leaping for joy after sweeping the Dodgers in the 1966 World Series. He's elated. Do you think Austin Riley could jump that high? Joy strengthens us, especially after a time of grieving. Today is a day to rejoice with Jimmy Carter and his family. President Carter has been in hospice care since February when his grandson expected him to live only about five more days. President Carter turns 99 today, the longest living American president, but it is his life after the presidency that has been so remarkable. This is a man who left an aspiring Navy career uh, to come home and care for his family and their peanut farm after his father died in 1953. He left the nuclear sub to come back home and work like Nehemiah coming back to rebuild things. Jimmy Carter and Nehemiah both become governors. And I love that even after becoming governor of Georgia, Carter was still so obscure that he was able to go on what's my line and stump the panel. I'm grateful to have this picture of President Carter at Habitat for Humanity with the Dunwoody logo featured prominently in the background. Carter once said this about prayer. God always answers prayers. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's, you gotta be kidding. Like our church has done for 30 years, like Betty and Jack Whitley have done, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter continued to work on Habitat Houses. For one reason, it was because of how the work made them feel. Carter said, in all of our lives, there are usually a few precious moments when we feel exalted. That is when we reach above our normal level of existence to a higher plane of excitement and achievement. He remembered feeling exalted several times in his life, like when Rosalind agreed to marry him or when his children were born or when he took the oath of office as president of the United States. I was touched this week to read the story of Carter going to an army hospital in Germany the Iranian hostages had been taken there to be treated after their release. Carter was nervous because he didn't know how they would receive him since he had not been able to secure the release himself while in office. But when Carter walked into that room, they all stood up and cheered. And then they embraced President Carter with tears in their eyes. He said, I felt exalted, a joyous exaltation. And that is what forgiveness looks like and feels like. Carter said, I experienced a feeling of exultation at the end of each Habitat work project when I give a Bible as a gift to the new homeowners along with the keys to their new house. My heart and soul are always exalted and sometimes tears of joy run down my face. Then he said to each of us, I predict that every one of you who volunteers to help others in need will feel this same sense of exaltation. I believe that in making what seems to be a sacrifice, 
you'll find fulfillment in the memorable experience of helping others less fortunate than yourself. Just as President Carter hands a Bible as a gift to new homeowners, Ezra is handed the book of the law in our story today. And he doesn't put it in a drawer, he doesn't put it on a shelf, but he reads it there to the gathered crowd to help them all remember together that they are the people of God. After the build is complete, the walls of Jerusalem were restored, the tears flow there as well. My friend and fellow pastor Rob Lanford told me about one little boy in his church named Trey. Last time Rob served communion, Trey got back in line for a second go. When he got back to the front, Rob looked at him and said, you're back again. And Trey said, yes, sir. It was just so good the first time. And isn't that what forgiveness should be like? It was just so good the first time that we want to taste forgiveness again and again. And then we want to offer that forgiveness to others again and again. Ezra told the people, this is the day to stop grieving. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. A grievance is a burden to carry. Leave yours at the altar today or go deal with it directly with the person you have it with. For Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your strength comes from rejoicing in the Lord. There are days for mourning and days for weeping, but today is not that day and this is not that meal. This is a table built for joy and forgiveness. Will you come and partake of this blessed meal? First, President Carter reminded us, the stronger the ties that bind us to God, the more likely we will live, react, and behave in harmony with greater joy, peace, and happiness. Come to the table. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.